Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for his church. It is our hope that the show will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are so blessed and excited that you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined, as always, with my co-host, Eric Moran. How are you today, brother? Doing mighty fine, brother. How about yourself? I, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying to get over this whatever I got, but it's fine. We're going to do the podcast anyway because we love to do it. So uh, today we are going to be doing a part two. It's a continuation. Let's see what I did there. From the, from the last episode on uh, continuationism and cessationism. Um, we have kind of put our heads together and we felt like the last episode did a really good job of giving a overview. And as we were studying and talking, we really felt as if first Corinthians 12 through 14 had a bunch of content in it that we could really dissect and dive deeper into and really kind of expound upon this conversation. And, um, we're excited to get in to get inside of it uh and to get in the conversation and to have it and see where see where the lord leads us uh my first question for you brother eric if is if loving god and others at the cost of ourselves is our mission why is it that other spiritual gifts including serving teaching exhorting giving leadership mercy and faith are pushed pushed aside while other gifts such as tongues healing casting out demons are put on a pedestal I think the easiest way to say that is it, the last three are seen as something that someone can give you credit for. When I think of Matthew 7, where Jesus says that um, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father, they say, I've been casting out demons. I've been right. doing miracles. I've been doing these great things, yeah. right? And yeah. he says, no, 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 and prophesying, yes. And mm -hmm. ultimately, he says, no, I've never known you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. So the lawlessness part is sin when you go to first John three and I believe it's first John three, four, but either way, lawlessness is sin. So the law that Jesus never broke is the Torah, which is the right relationship with God and others at the cost of yourself. Like you said, mm -hmm. over in first Corinthians three, Paul builds out the fact that there's no other foundation other than the one Jesus Christ came to set. And even in Ephesians two, he says that once that's over in first Corinthians, we're coming right back. But over in Ephesians two, he says that Christ is the cornerstone of that foundation. The apostles moving forward and the prophets that move towards him. But you've got the original covenant and the new covenant that are inviting you into this laying down your life for the love of God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul to have that love relationship with him. And then that moving out into the world. But the one that came first is the loving relationship with him, the things right. that are deeper. And those were the first ones you listed. In other words, the faith that's by the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of your mm -hmm. heart. The fact that over in 1 Corinthians 3, inside of that foundation, it says this. I'll, I'll read it that way. I'm not just rambling for somebody that's <laughs> listening. But this is 1 Corinthians 3.11. It says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If the work that, his, that anyone has built on that foundation survives, he will receive a reward. 
If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer with loss, even though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Holy Spirit dwells within y'all, as plural, that you is? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you all are that temple. So when we see that we're the temple of God and we look back at the fact of the, fact of the life that we've lived, silver always responded to the tongue in the Old Testament, gold always was about the heart condition, precious stones are once again about the royal priesthood wore the 12 stones that represented all the tribes in one speaking voice. So Mm -hmm. as in your heart, out of the abundance of your heart and those precious stones, your tongue reveals the golden condition of your heart because they're coming from inside and out. You end up with this life that can be tested by the fire of the Holy Spirit and reveals that you had this deeper relationship, which are the gifts that we should be trying to lean into and the other ones would take care of themselves i mean in other words if you were if you were in that right relationship tongues and all the other things would naturally overflow out of that relationship right um and a lot of times i think we go after the back the the opposite direction we try to do the things that we can see and maybe even see others do so we want to be like them Mm -hmm. but literally matthew 7 just said a dude could cast out a demon and we would say, man, I mean, he cast out a demon. I know if he if he's not going to heaven, I'm not going to heaven. And she's like, no, well, he's not going. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's right there. Well, I mean, I, I, Matthew 7 has always been a verse that is, it's scary. I mean, to, I'll just say it straight up. It's scary. Well, when I read it, I was like, what? You can do all those things and then still be told that to depart from me, the worker of lawlessness. And I think that, but I never really paid attention to so much as what, what they were saying to Jesus at the time and they were talking about their works. And I got to inside of the Dallas Willard book, the divine conspiracy that I'm reading, he's really hitting on what Jesus is talking about on the sermon of the Mount is the condition of your heart. He's always been concerned about the why you do not what you do, because if the why changes, the what will change. Right. Exactly. Go into a jail or prison, ask everybody, Hey, why are we in here? And they'll tell you about everything they've done. Right. And of course, you got the innocent ones that didn't do anything. Oh, yeah. All the time. That time they got caught. So then when you say, hey, but so you lived an honest life up to before. No, I mean, I did this and I did that. (laughs) Okay. But either way, they're worried about what they've done. And it's like, okay, if we're always sorry for what we just did or said, Mm -hmm. if we don't get ahead of our mouth and our hands with our heart, we're Mm -hmm. always just going to feel horrible in our mind about what we just did. So the only answer is to do the heart work. And that's what Jesus is getting at. I've never known you. I've never had your heart. I've never had your desire. Right. So if you start to desire me, you'll work on those deeper gifts. Right. And then out of that relationship, I will flow out of you. And I know what that feels like. Trust me, because you'll be like, I never thought that I would preach (laughs) ever. (laughs) Like some kids like, I want to grow up to be a, no, preaching was never one of them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I can listen to messages I've preached and I knew my bullet points. I knew the message that I built. I right. did my, my, my exegetical work, but then there's peers like, I didn't know I knew that. <laughs> right. And, but it's just because in that relationship somewhere he had graciously bestowed that being important somewhere else had nothing to do with that message, but it just naturally flowed out of the experience. And right. that's where pursuing first. Right. So then when you read, it matches what you've experienced, and then you got the both and to offer him, and, and every bit of it's a reward from him. But there's a day coming when the Holy Spirit's going to judge everything we've ever done, but what it's judging is your motive, not your right. performance. Your performance is not what God's looking at. Right. 
that should free us up. Well, yeah, it, I mean, absolutely, it should definitely, definitely free us up. And in the way that the the uh, Dallas Wheeler presents the argument, where he talks about how looking at looking at a woman with lust, he was saying that there have been men who absolutely did not see their mom or their sisters because they were completely and totally afraid of even gazing upon a woman because they thought that not doing it, like not committing adultery was what they were supposed to do. Like that was, that's how they kept that commandment. But what is being highlighted is that inside of your heart, you can still imagine a woman. You can still lust after someone who's not even, not even a real person, not even tangible. You can still do that because the real problem is, is what's inside of you and the, and the reasons that you're doing it. Not so much the fact that you did it. It's the desire of your, it's the desire of your heart. And you're living in fear. Right. Not going around your mom or your sister because you're scared of failing your own made up standard. Yeah. Instead of allowing God to challenge your heart, it's still pride. It's still my own power. It's my willpower. And it's dangerous. Yeah. Well, I didn't even realize that, you know, to to be fair, the, the mom and the sister thing, not being around them, I didn't realize that that was a problem, but I started watching Game of Thrones and apparently it used to be a real problem for some, for some people. Well, and COVID did it too. You know, like there'll be people that say, <laughs> I haven't seen my grandchildren in two years. I'm like, what? COVID? Oh no, that's you. You decided not to see your grandkids in two years. I mean, come on. Now. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Back but, to fear though. Yes, yes. Back to back to fear and being motivated by that. But inside of it, I thought it was really interesting when we were talking before that in First Corinthians twelve there it talks about brothers I write to you concerning the spiritual gifts that, that actually it's down way at the bottom, but it actually is translated as spiritual persons. So inside of reading that scripture again and then it being presented to me and with that with that light, with that lens it kind of changed the meaning of it a little bit to where it wasn't so much about the service. It was more about the person. And I was like, wow, that's super interesting. And then when you move into first Corinthians 13, where it talks about it's always used at weddings, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love is all those things we've established here on the podcast, the both and viewpoint looking inside of that and how much that matters and how important it is. If first Corinthians is an encouragement and a warning, what is what is the warning and what is the encouragement inside of this passage? Because I it's you know it's always used as the love the love one, but it's never I I feel like we we get kind of far away from the warning side of it. So, but if you could hit on both of them, because this is a sandwich here, you know you have your twelve, which is your bread, thirteen is your meat, and fourteen is is the bottom bun. From the very beginning, you've got Paul trying to remind people to be a spiritual person means it's going to have to be your whole person. And he uses the body as an illustration. He says, look, you got a lot of different parts, but you're one body. And you look at the body of Christ and he's the head. But he says you could do greater things than me if you guys would fall in love with who you are and not want to be totally like the other because you've right. been beautifully created, designed, gifted and sent out. Find out what that is and pursue the things that you struggle with and praise God for the things that you you've received and fall in love. And if you would fall in love, love would maintain you and love would be how you know things because all things are revealed from a God that knows all things. And you would look unto him and keep and guard who he is. And that's where you would start each day, control your attitude. That is what, where you would, 
start your yeah. relationship with believers and that being our commonality and what Christ has done for the Father's glory through this gift of the Holy Spirit to where we remember, oh, God is love. Yeah. So then to Im- imitate him first and become more loving because of the love you received means that if I don't line up with something that you line up with, I can love you through that without being offended, but I still have to seriously stand up for the objective truth of the order and design that God has said and revealed. And we should learn how to do that in our own hearts first and then in our brothers and sisters' hearts. And Mm -hmm. as soon as you become, I don't care what the Bible says, well, that's a greater problem than anything else. And as soon as a brother or sister says, I don't care what the Bible says, Okay, that's a larger problem in their heart. Mm -hmm. And then if an unbeliever says, you say, well, that's why we're having a conversation. I know. (laughs) know, So it's it's it's, it's not like it has to be a end all to the conversation, but it's definitely a an ending point to what you're trying to reveal to a believer when they say, I know what it says. Right. But. All right. and, and so that you're, you're looking for that throughout this scripture, though, he is saying, listen, you guys remember how you were led as a pagan. Yeah. And, and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about how to be a spiritual person inside of this design. Right. And then he goes into something they're not ignorant about. And you remember the way you used to worship this world. And you remember the way that you were led by this world. And you remember the way that you chased mammon and money in this world. And you remember how you tried to find your identity in this world. Right. What I need you to fall in love with is finding your identity in the spirit. All right, so finding your identity in the spirit is the goal. Now, if you go too far either way and lose, like he's going to get into later, your mental ability, God created you as a thinking person. Mm -hmm. You are therefore responsible and accountable for what you think about and what you pursue and what you desire. However, you are now reborn, reconnected to the spiritual life through the work of the Son to where you were bought at a price. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are an imitator and a representation, an ambassador of God the Father. And in that new identity, you need to start to understand that what you do matters eternally for his name. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, he, <clears throat> excuse me, when he rounds up, Oh, 12 there in the very beginning parts of it. I believe it's um, verse 13 where it says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So it's all about unity there. So I'm I'm wondering what, what was brought to my mind inside of that was is that this is tearing at the seams of the bride. And... Either and that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be coming together. So, why do you think there's such a disconnect? Do you think that the cessationist looks at the person using their spiritual gifts outside of order, outside of the order that God has designed for His church and that Jesus commands us to operate inside of, and that has shied them away from being even associated with people who operate in the in the in the gifts? In my personal experience, when you ask the question, one group doesn't like authority as much as the other group or doesn't lean in or press into authority as much as the other group. And so when you come with straight authority and that's not the way that that person is wired, they have something in them that God would say they're going to have to learn how to put to death. Right. All right. And I have 
been the guy to win arguments and apologetically tear them apart because I knew my scripture and I was mm-hmm. very young and I did not realize the love part from my side. And I love the authority. So I had the authority of the word of God. I had the authority of the structure. I had all the, the I had the tools, but I was using them against my brother or sister. Right. right. And they didn't care because we really weren't having a conversation anyway. Yeah, but just arguing they did point. not want to submit to the sovereignty and the lordship of God. Mm-hmm. All right. With that said, I was not willing to step into the unknown and allow the creative side of God to be available. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I was just as guilty as any type of guilt that I could point towards in my brother and sister because I, right. I was young. I was immature. Yeah, so right. this doesn't mean when these conversations are had or even when they turn to arguments that we should end conversation in relationships over a conversation because who knows three or four years you may end up eating your words. Cause it's not that I would say anything different. I would just, I mean, I would, it's not that I would say the opposite anymore. I would just say things a lot more different than I used to. Right. Um, I didn't know enough to play God mm. and neither did they. Right. But the problem was both of us were trying to, with the way we were naturally wired or the, the, the way we were invited in the, mm. when I was a kid, I went to church and this is what I saw. Um, when I read the Bible and I was, um, a, a younger adult, this is what it, I, I experienced in what I saw. And now you're trying to challenge me on what I believe. And it's like, what, I'm supposed to climb back in the womb of my mother and be born again? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And right. Jesus to Nicodemus, yeah. you will eventually, right? But right. it's going to be because of you returning to your life, seeing the difference in others, having conversations, falling in love with me for a long enough period of time to where you realize the majority of the time I'm the problem. Well, yeah, I, I, I think that's the... That's the other thing. Through my own personal experience inside of a church, I lean, just like you do, more towards the authority and the order and all of those things, leaning that way inside of a church that was leaning more towards the gifts and the freedom and and all of those things when I had the opportunity to sit down with someone and present from a biblical standpoint where I was what God was showing me because I'm responsible for those things in a sense, trying to call them back to it to let them see my side of it. I was met with, you know, you just don't believe the way that I believe, but I'm, I was struggling so hard because inside of scripture or inside of this scripture specifically, Paul is calling us to love one another. It's not about how you see it or they see it or this is, it or this is it. You're, you're operating in something. You're assuming a role that you're not meant to, you're not meant to partake in because you're losing love. And when love is, is not the main focus and on my part too, also where I was struggling with it was because these interactions had become so one-sided Neo on one side, Neo on the other. I, I was shown later on that I wasn't operating in love. Really. I was kind of operating in a sense of wanting to be right, but that wasn't until I had the conversation presented it to the person and they just did not see it that way. And, you know, thankfully, God was faithful and told me to dust my feet off and go and carry on because I was done growing in that place. But at the same time, there was a real struggle there. And I think it was, I wasn't doing it lovingly. I was doing it to rebuke them and to be right. But then at the end of the day, when I finally got to have the conversation with that person, I was basically saying, you're stepping into a role that you, that, I see from a scripture standpoint that is going to cause you greater judgment. And I see your blind spot here. And it almost appears like you could care less that I have concerns for the way that what is being 
taught in the church and all those things because it's creating problems everywhere. It's not, I saw little problems on, on either side and it became one of those things that I didn't really want to be a part of because that's not what I was, that's not what I was being taught. What's the whole Bible about? God, the present being in the presence of God, being in the presence of God, the father, and he created everything for that relationship. Correct. So when we look at this scripture, it says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's not, so it is with Jesus. Right. That's so it is. It, so it is with the Messiah, with right. the mediator, with the anointed. Right. For they're one in spirit. Because we were all baptized into one body, right. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Holy Spirit. Right. All right. So the whole Bible is written for the Father's glory. Amen. That Jesus Christ obediently came to become the door mm-hmm. to enter into mm-hmm. and to open the door because it was closed yeah, without the blood was, going yeah. over the top of it as a Passover lamb. Shut, yeah. And without stealing any glory from Christ, because if you read Christ, he said all the glory belongs to his Father. So all I'm doing is being obedient to my Lord by saying all the glory belongs to the Father right? through Jesus as the Messiah. Now, when we read Christ, we need to read ourselves into Christ. It doesn't say Jesus Christ. That would be separate. But whenever it right. says with Christ, with Messiah, that means that's with us. Mm-hmm. We're called to that, mm-hmm. to be Christ-like, Christian, to right. be in the Messiah role. So for the Father's glory, we're like one body, right? All through what the Messiah has done, mm-hmm. but there's one Spirit, right. All right? And with that one Spirit, you've been baptismo, you've been stained from Jew or Greek. So what did they believe about Jews? We're the chosen people. Y'all are going to hell, <laughs> right? And what did they believe about the Greeks? Oh, we have a lot of man-centered philosophy, and if you can't enter into with it reason and logic, then you, you know you you don't belong over here with our conversation, right? All right, but God said, I don't care if you came in thinking a whole bunch of man-centered philosophy, you better understand what it means to be the chosen one. Mm. And I don't care if you think you're the chosen one. If you don't understand it and you can't actually articulate it, then you need to learn, son. (laughs) Right? But it doesn't really matter if you don't come together and learn what you're weak at. So in other words, if I had all the apologetics and I do love to think and I'm a disciple in that way, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not alive in the spirit until I understand the spirit. I think that's the important why we need each other, right? So... To be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we were baptized into his blood to where the Father seized the blood of the Son, and when that was the baptism for the forgiveness of sin, so he's perfectly taking care of my sin. Mm-hmm. But he says the blood was put on a door. Right. Now you've got to enter it. That's right. So I'm not to sit on the back of a pew. I'm not to wait for Jesus to come back and get me. That's just fire insurance. I am on the battlefield, and I should go through the door. Now when I go through the door, if we read our Bible, when we get into Revelation, you would, Revelation 4 through 7, I would have gone through the crystal sea of glass into the throne room of God through the finished work of the Son and mm-hmm. the seven complete Holy Spirit by the Father's glory. Right. And I would enter into being washed in baptismo by the Holy Spirit. And I would take on my white robe mm-hmm. that is talked all the way through Revelation that you've received. Mm-hmm. So I don't just think I'm covered with the blood. Right. I was covered with the blood so I could receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has now made me white by the gift of the finished work of the Father and the Son, sat down in their finished work, and I've been sent in their stead as his hands and feet. Here I am, send me. And it becomes this thing that I'm actually alive in. Right. So then it says when I'm baptized and I've drank that understanding, 
then if I came in as a Jew, you should stay a Jew, continue to do everything you've ever known, but you better love the Greek. Mm-hmm. If you came in as a Greek, you don't have to be a Jew, but you should want to know me like the Jews. So you should be changing. You should be, it, it's a warning and an encouragement. If you, it, in other passages of scripture, it says, if you come in as a slave and you can free yourself, that's great. Free yourself. But if you live as a slave the whole time you're here, live as a slave to God. Mm. All right. So now man doesn't control me. I'm a slave because I've laid myself down to God. Now, if you're a free man, don't act like a slave. Right. I've given you the authority to be over other people. Now let them see Christ in the position that I've placed you in. So it doesn't matter what your profession is. It doesn't matter your success. It doesn't matter any of those things. The motive of your heart is to be a meteor and Messiah, a Christ Mm -hmm. in that position. So how do you take being rich or poor? How do you take being healthy or sick? How do you take death Mm -hmm. upon you? These are things that your mind should have figured out what you're going to do before you get there because the right. spirit has laid on your heart. That's what matters. Right. And, and there's power in that. I mean, there, there's, there's, well, I think, I, I think there's true power in that. And I, I lean on this side and, and definitely see the viewpoint from the side that says the gifts are not for today and all that stuff, because you have people who have true medical problems who are truly sick. You have faith healers that say that it's God's will for everybody to be healed, that it's, that it's supposed to be this way. And I will never forget looking in Exodus four, I believe where, it, where God says, am I not the one who made, made him blind? Am I not the one who made him mute? Am I not the one who made him deaf right there? You're, that directly contradicts in the ins, in, inside of that, because one of the most powerful things that I saw inside of church was there was a brother who was sick and he was confined to a wheelchair and he was just, constantly going going through things and people were telling him that he was going to be healed and all the and all those things but it it didn't come to pass but what i took away from it was is even though he was in his condition he never failed to stop pouring into people to never stop encouraging them to never stop praising god and all those things and i thought to myself what a sign of maturity that not being taken out of your situation because it sucks but praising god in the situation that you're in because he's worthy of it. Even if you're on the mountain or in the Valley and I've tried to stay, stay right there. Can God heal? Yes. I'm not saying that God can't heal. God can do whatever he jolly well pleases because he's God. But at the same time too, knowing that I am in his presence now, just as much as I will be when I'm in eternity should be a real thing to me. But if Christ suffered why do we think that we don't have to suffer too? It kind of, it it perplexes me in a sense, but I think it, once again, going back to it, it creates so much division inside of the church that if you were to approach someone saying, hey, I know you're going through this hard time, but I'm going to be here for you and you don't have to go through it alone, that's loving someone. That's That's more of the heart that I think God wants us to have. So in the spirit, putting it in tension with the flesh or the mind. Right. I've had a brother have his granddaughter in the hospital in Eggleston. Me have James laid on my heart where it says for us to go lay hands on her, me call him, us get in the van. And overnight she got better. Mm, Amen. But it was her faith Mm -hmm. along with our faith to go. It wasn't our faith that pulled her out and saved her. All right. We were obedient to the word of God. Mm Mm-hmm. And then as brothers, we went without, you know, telling God that he had to do it or trying to say we were going to do it. And then when she got better, we knew it's because she believed it. And God used all of our faith 
for what he revealed, but it mm-hmm. still has to be all about him. Right. Um, so when, when you look at the fleshly side of it, fleshly, we want that guy to get out of a wheelchair and walk. That'd be great. Oh, that would be ab- awesome. Absolutely. Right? All right. But second Corinthians 12, nine and 10, one of my favorite passages of scripture says in your weaknesses, your strength, it actually reads like this. My grace is sufficient for you in all things. Right. All right. My power is made perfect in weakness. Mm. So really, the more you go through, the more you're going to see that you use the word mature, perfect peace, perfect patience, perfect. Well, I stink at patience because you hadn't suffered enough. Mm. I, I don't know the power of God because you live in a first world country and first world problems are, I got to use my vacation because I'm going to lose it if I don't use it by <laughs> next month. Right. Right. Third world problems, they, all they got's God. And you'll go on a mission trip and you'll be like, man, I wish we had faith like them. Do you? Because they live somewhere that you only visited for a week and you felt totally out of place the whole time you were there because of the suffering. But mm. you want to know why they had all that faith? Because of all that suffering. So reverse it, flip it. That would mean physically the more blessed you are, the more cursed you are. So mm. we're the most blessed nation on earth materially, but that also by default means we are the most starved because it's our hard time. Right. So when we think God doesn't show up because he doesn't remove the suffering, the Bible says, no, 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 the suffering is where you find God, which is what touched your heart when you saw that individual that had come to that understanding and he was all right with it, but everybody else was wondering, why aren't you walking? I mean, you're supposed to be walking. Is it my faith? Is it your faith? And it's like, no, 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 it's your expectations and you're trying to make God do something. All we can do, and the first example, is to learn to trust the Holy Spirit Right. to go into those conversations and those ministry opportunities. Um, I will tell you this. God has taught me that you can't outgive God. If you go to a nursing home and visit someone for 30 minutes, it was the most important 30 minutes to that individual that day. Now you're going to spend a lot of other things, you know, a lot of other time on and other things, mm-hmm. but none of that will matter as much as it did to that one person that has no one else to talk to for 30 minutes. And it allows you to know there's probably an 80% chance I'm going to end up in a nursing home in one yeah. of these four beds. And if, if God doesn't take me before then, right. but it won't take me by surprise. No. You know, I, through the years, I will have gone. And then, you know, depending on the condition of my mind and where I'm at physically, I just hope that there are, there are witnesses unto that in the nursing home that I hope I'm like them. Right. Um, and then getting back to talking to somebody that you believe is a brother or sister, but they seem diabolically like not willing to go where you're trying to come together. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to quote the person because he gets a bad rap, but what will help you is, do you hope what that person's saying is right? Because ultimately when they go totally like Neo, mm-hmm. I don't believe there's hell. I don't believe everybody's going to be damned. Well, the Bible says so, and that's all I know. Now, yeah. I hope you're right. I, yeah. I mean, I, 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 there's no way that I would turn around and say, I hope that people burn in hell, or yeah, I hope I, that they're yeah, eternally going to be punished. Saying. And that doesn't mean I can agree with it, and it doesn't mean the Bible changes. Right. And I can even then say, look, I hope you're right, but everything says that you're wrong. Right. And I don't understand. I'm, I'm not misunderstanding your heart is what I'm saying with that. Is I, I, I understand what you're saying, right. and I can, I can even say I could feel that way. But this is what God has said. Right. Now, how do we come together on that? And, and and there's a lot of things like that. Like, does everybody speak in tongues? Nope. 
but I hope, I mean, Paul says, I hope, I hope you speak more and more in tongues. It's not like I'm trying to starve you from that. I'm just saying right. that, no, if, if, if that happens, it has a purpose. Well, how do you, because the Bible says so. Yeah. But it doesn't, to try and hope the other person is right when you're, when you're locked like that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you wish you wash anything. Doesn't mean it gets watered down because that's what people say. Well, you're just watering it. No, I never changed my stance. I let the person know that I, I hear you. I'm honoring you. And I even say, there's a part of me that hopes you're right. Right. I mean, I've got loved ones that by definition would be in hell. Mm-hmm. I hope you're right. Yeah. But I'm warning you that everything in the Bible says you're wrong. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I, I do think that it's, it's, it's extremely important because the problem is, is I've seen the backside of it. The backside of that presentation is when everything doesn't go right and you do have to enter into hard times of suffering, it turns into you're let down, you're disappointed in God because he didn't do what you said he was going to do. And on the backside of that is well, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not doing this anymore because God didn't do what was promised to me, and I don't I don't want any part of it anymore. I'm going to go and do whatever I jolly well please because I am have bodily autonomy, and I can just do that, and it's whatever. And that's that's the danger in it. The danger in it is is that if what you're saying, like, like you're saying, I hope what you're saying is true, but if it doesn't happen, where did you lead that person? And especially if you just leave them if they stop coming and you you know you try to reach out to them and all that but the problem is you've built up their expectations so much that when it doesn't happen not everyone is built like you not everyone has your faith so you may be able to take those disappointments but somebody else may not be able to take another heartbreak they may be one heartbreak away from turning away completely and if they're in the condition where they're saying they're not coming to church in other words your 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 example there right i can think of a couple handful of those conversations and every one of them were elderly people. Um, their spouse was in bad shape or things, things went horribly wrong after doing everything quote unquote, right. right yeah. And they had this expectation that they were supposed to have this great retirement and that everything was going to be good. And it's like, but who told you that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's literally all I can ask you at that point. I mean, I can't right. say, I hope that's right. Cause I can't <laughs> say, I, but I mean, like yeah. look them in their eyes and try and snap them out of it. Cause what they've already said is my heart's broken. I'm not coming back to church. And it's like, well, brother, I don't even know if you've ever been to church, yeah, you know, cause we're, what yeah. you've been to is something that's not in the Bible. Who taught you that? Or is that just what you heard? Right. Cause I mean, I, I preach a lot of messages and I've asked people what I've said and they heard something totally different than what I said because of where they were at in their growth, because of where they've come from and their understanding. It doesn't really, in that situation where somebody's to that point, it's time to ask point blank questions. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know who told you that if you've been born again, you're going to be the most miserable person. Cause that's what happens to people that have been reborn right. and they try to live against God. Right. We love you. And this is the church. I want you to try first when yeah. he breaks your heart and he <laughs> wants you to come back because yeah. I, I, I could never tell you that God says I'm always in the suffering. I sent my son to suffer. How would I make my son suffer if you weren't going to also, right. he did it so that we can, he didn't do it so that we don't have to, you know, that that's, that's with your works. That's with your suffering. That's with, yeah, I, I think, I think honestly it was presented to me in a way that in, once again, I've been mentioning this book a lot, but that's because I'm reading it right now, so it's fresh on my mind. But when Jesus is being nailed to the cross, 
He's praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So even in the midst of his suffering, his heart is, forgive them, because I, because I love them and I know who you created them to be, but they don't know that. And that's his perfect power being manifest, but it was through his weakness, because the night before, he was like, hey, God, um, I know that this is why I came, but like, <laughs> if you could do it another way, that'd be kind of cool. Well, that's him being just like us. Absolutely. And, however, your will be done, not mine. Amen. So it's not that you're not going to be let down. It's not that you put a million dollars and ran 13 companies and then got ripped off by people and now you're broke. Because that's a true story. You know the person I'm talking about. Right. Um, but your choice is to die bitter and miserable or get over it. Yeah. I mean, it, that's what, and I, I just, my heart breaks for that situation because I do. I do feel like, especially in the West, that's one of the main problems that we have is there's so many options to choose from. You go to the one that emotionally pulls at your heartstrings the best with the best music and the best message, and you walk out of there feeling like a million bucks. But then Monday and Tuesday happen. You get fired. You get told that you're getting ready to have your house foreclosed on. You go back Wednesday, and the guy tells you, well, don't worry, because God's going to make everything completely and totally okay. And you walk out of Wednesday night thinking, Oh man, tomorrow's a brand new day and it's all going to be over with tomorrow. I'm not going to have to suffer. I'm not going to have to go through any pain. But the tr the truth is, is that when I went through my divorce, which was one of the worst times of my life ever, that was one of the times that I felt the closest to God. And in me going to the scripture and praying and, and calling and crying out to him constantly, yes, God used people to come to me to help me in that time, to give me aid, to give me relief and comfort and all those things. But I found my peace and I found purpose in, in the midst of my situation. And I got answers that I never later on had come to find out they were true. You know, God was revealing them to me, but there was to say that there is no purpose. There's no purpose without, I mean, there's no pain without purpose. It was kind of the way that it was, what it was, brought to my mind when the Holy Spirit was relaying to me. And I was like, you're right. I was in a complete and total place where I thought that everything was perfectly fine. But God, in my pride, kind of kicked my legs out from under me and said, you're not as good as you're not in a good spot that like you think you are. And it helped me be able to minister to those who were hurting as well, because that's what and that's where I feel like we need to bring the bridge back together. It's not about the tongues and the things that you can do that are fancy and you should be puffed up in that. You need to have that heart, like have that heart, be, do those things. Cool. That's great. But if you don't go to the dude who's been burned by it and say, what's your side? What's your take? How can I be a mediator? How can I be Christ-like and call this to unite? Not, not more divisions, not, not go get, get as far away from it as you can, but why can't we sit down and have this conversation and figure it out, figure out where you're hurting and be with them in the midst of their suffering? So you got Paul here talking about two people groups right? and, and saying you should always prefer the unity, always prefer the love, always prefer the prophecy because it edifies and builds up both the believer and the unbeliever right. through what you're saying because it's being said in love. Acts 1, written by Luke, who, watched, who walked with Paul. Um, here's what's going to happen. You will be my witnesses. It doesn't say you're going to do anything. It says you will be my witnesses when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That would be this one spirit that does all these things. Right. And when that Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in your own heart, comma, Judea, Samaria. 
All right, so Judea and Samaria is pretty important because then it's common in the rest of the world. So inside those commas is the church, and Judea mm-hmm. and Samaria are the 12 tribes. Two stayed low and 10 went north. Right. They made their capital Samaria. I know that seems like a little history that's like, what is he talking about right now? But here's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we've got Paul, so we've got Luke. But what does Jesus teach? All right, so when we go to Jesus, the woman at the well, mm-hmm. where are they at? Samaria, right? Okay, she's a Samaritan, right? Yeah. right. That's a, so there's your history. That's the reason I brought it in. Right, it's right. the second time you almost got me. All right, so when he, <laughs> when, when he sits down with her, he says, we'll start and work backwards. How does he say we're going to worship? I don't know the right answer. Those are going to worship my father are going to worship in spirit and in truth. Man, I knew the right answer. Dad gummit. All right, so we finally got him three times. Yeah, he got me. Anyway. Right. <laughs> All right, so in spirit and yeah. in truth, right. truth being something you can know and understand and be revealed, that right. would be in your mental capacity to know the truth. That's what makes it true because yeah. <laughs> you can know it's true. Yeah. And then the spirit, which once again means it's not about what you see on the surface. It's about your inner man and why you are what you are and who you are on the inner man. Mm-hmm. All right. So if I tell Mick to stand up, I'm not talking about that fleshly tent. There's a Mick that tells Mick to stand up. That's the spirit of Mick. But the truth is his mind had to tell his body to stand up. Yeah. All right. Now, with that said, if you back it up, he says, because the Jews, they know what they worship and you don't know what you worship. But it won't matter when you start to worship in spirit and truth. Mm. So the Jews that stayed down south, they had all the priests. They had the altar. They weren't idolaters. What they were was pious people that could not care less that 10 out of 12 percent of their brothers and sisters had been assimilated into the world to where they really didn't even know the truth anymore. However, Jesus didn't say they were out. Jesus said, when you fall in love, spirit and truth will set you free. Hmm. Moses came with the law. I've come to take that weight off of you. But then the law of Messiah, the law of Christ, is that you would love God and love others, Mm -hmm. which fulfills everything before it. Because if we change why you do what you do and why you say what you say, and we change your heart, it will change your actions. Right. And what you thought you knew, you didn't know as well as you thought you did, because it says in the scripture, you, we, we, we knew in part, and then we're going to hold. Laying down what you think you know to the point you're going to argue with someone instead of love that person mm. is where you have to be responsible for you. Yeah, guilty. And then when you look at something that touches those nerves, like, you know, at a, at a barbershop, you're not supposed to talk about politics or religion because people will Absolutely get upset. Not. When you're talking about people in the body and you bring up the gifts, mm-hmm. it's already like, what camp are you in before we go any further? Yeah. And then Before we start talking. <laughs> we have to get better at hearing and loving someone that sees it different and saying things that the Spirit of God can use when we're gone. Right. Because you're not going to argue them into it because the one thing they're not going to do is agree with the person that said they're the other. Right, absolutely. But but if we can add enough truth that drives them into what God can do through his spirit, that's our that's our goal at that point. Right. Um because that's that's Paul's when we get to the love and he's saying, Look, I don't I don't care if you're if you're crucified, if you didn't do it for the love of God and love of others, you did it for nothing. Right. I don't care if you have all the faith, which is a gift. I don't care if you can prophesy and tell me everything. If you don't love him, you're separated and going to hell. Right. You did amazing things because the truth is still the truth and the spirit is still the power of God. But you as a vessel never did it out of love. Mm-hmm. If you do it out of love, and this has to be about the love of God, because it's like doesn't hold any regret or doesn't hold any you know account of what happened before. Right. And it's like, well, that's not me. 
and that's not me and that's not me it's hilarious like you, you know because i do a lot of weddings and they're like so what do you want i want first corinthians 13 why and you know what i mean you, you're not gonna live up to this now god's going to don't get me wrong right, and, and we have a great conversation but it's like yeah uh, he was trying to keep arguing people together i could see it i guess yeah let's uh okay well right. it's funny the the with you mentioning that when the when we're, me and my wife are going through marriage counseling the first time before you get married one of the one of the pastors his advice was go to first corinthians 13 and where everywhere that it says love put your name there <laughs> and i was not <laughs> a couple of years later you know of course we got divorced so now you know then we got remarried god restored us and we've already been all over that but i just thought it was super interesting because the way you're saying it now, that's hard. That's not, that is not easy to do. So when I try to put that back from what I took from the scripture and try to apply that to my life, I look at, if God's not going to help me do this, I cannot do this on my own. Which gets back to the suffering being the only way to know him. So if you had a child that won't listen to you, because you wrote it down and sustained it. I mean, it's right there on the pages. All you really had to do is read it. Yeah. But you i.e. either can't or won't, mm. okay, then the only thing a loving parent can do is be there and love you through the cost of the circumstances and situations of the pain that it's going to incur. Right. So, first time marriage counseling, yeah, yeah. Mick is patient and kind. Mick, Mick doesn't envy or boast. Mm-mm. He's not, Mick is not rude or arrogant. Oh, that's such Mick a Mick does not insist on his own way. Never, never. <laughs> Mick is never, ever irritable or resentful. Never. Not once. Mick does not rejoice at wrongdoing, and he rejoices only with the truth. Mick bears all things. He believes all things, and he hopes and endures all things. It and then he got so divorced. Right? Then he got divorced. <laughs> Okay, so then through God and all of this love that's available that apparently Mick learns through experience, <laughs> but it ain't me, right? Starts to understand when he is on the backside of it, and God starts to say, "No, but I am patient and kind, and I do not envy and boast, and mm-hmm. I'm not being arrogant or rude, and I don't rejoice at your wrongdoing. I rejoice in the truth of what I want for you, and I don't insist on my own way because I just loved you through where you just came from." I bear all things and I've believed all things and I've hoped and endured in all things. Now I want to restore you. You take the hurt inside of the false expectation is about you Mm. and it becomes about you because of the truth of who he is. But it was the only way he could do it. It was the only way he could break through the lie. Right. Um, and that's where, I mean, the more hard-headed you are, the more suffering you're probably going to go through. And the more that you can learn off of reading, I mean, it's, but from God's point of view, he didn't want to crush anyone, including his son, most importantly. Right. But he had to. Right. The, the truth it can only be made known through the pain. Because mm-hmm. the lie is it's all about you, and the lie is you deserve all these things, and the lie is that, Psh, don't worry about that, I got that, I'm your genie, just rub my belly. Yeah. But, I mean, Buddha's out there, if, if, if you're into <laughs> that. I mean... <laughs> if, yeah, and if you're in search of Nirvana, I'd just recommend the band, because you'd probably, you'd probably find them find them a little faster than you would exactly i'm sure not you know sure other people have found it but whatever i mean that's neither here nor there but getting back to the getting getting back to call uh paul calling us to worship in spirit and with our minds 
He calls us to be mature in our thinking. So spiritual gifts have their importance and have their meaning. We've established that. But how how should our mind be involved just as just as much as our spirit spirit is? I mean, because I that's the part where I'm trying to <clears throat> in my own personal life, I'm trying to get to the place where I can go to the person who has been minister to the person who has been hurt from the spiritual person or complete and total spiritual side and get into that get into that conversation where they're more more based in the logic and the logic and reason of the of the scripture and reading it and all that and all that stuff and they think because one of the biggest disconnects that I see is inside of the western world we have doctors and we have hospitals and we have all this wonderful technology and all those things and I feel like sometimes people go no God will heal you right here right now which he like we said, he could, but also at the same time too, God uses people too. In common grace of medicine, and because you're running into people that I don't want to take medicine because God can heal me. Well, God gave you common grace of a doctor and the medicine, right. and I mean, He's given you a way to be relieved of the pain. Oh, but I don't want to be addicted. That's a heart condition, and the fact that you're going into it knowing that you have a medical advisor, that you're taking it the way that it's been prescribed, and that God's the one that allowed both of them to exist in your heart, you're worried about what exactly? Yeah, and and yeah. And, and, and and I've had many people change their view on that because they'd never been encouraged, and that's just the way that they 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 had they, you know processed it up to that point, right? But Paul's main thing here in 14, when he's trying to bring together through the love being a warning to those that are being unloving and an encouragement to those that need to press into his love a little bit more is whatever you do, it should be for all. Mm. So it should be for God. It should for, for you should be for the unbeliever believer and yourself. Yeah. And it should be for all. So literally in this scripture says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. So what he says is you want to speak in tongues. What you really need to be doing is praying that if somebody speaks in a tongue, I can interpret it so that all right. can be edified. Because if there's not, because it says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So if I hmm. speak in a language, I don't know. Right. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's that mind thing, right? Yeah. So my mind is totally. unfruitful because I'm speaking in a tongue that I don't understand that's beautiful because it's flowing through me, and I'm not taking anything Absolutely. away with that. Right. However, my mind's unfruitful, so the next verse says, what am I to do? Great question, Paul. I will, And then he answers it, which I love even more. <laughs> I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with my spirit, but yeah. I will sing with my mind also. Mm-hmm. What he's saying there is this. I can understand it. It's available for everyone to understand. Mm -hmm. If there's no interpreter and I can speak in a tongue, it's between me and God and praise him for that gift. But it's going to be disassociating and almost separate. Well, the scripture goes on to say that if an unbeliever comes in, they're going to feel uncomfortable because they don't know what's going on. So if my heart is for the unbeliever and I have this beautiful gift, I can speak in tongues without saying it out loud. I can speak in tongues in the bathroom. I can speak in, but but the only reason I went to the bathroom wasn't to hide God. It was to make sure that those around me are still comfortable with the edification of God that day. 
not to show off to get attention that really belongs to God because that's his glory. Mm -hmm. Now, if there is an interpreter, which it says there should be an interpreter to interpret, then you're doing it knowing that someone's going to interpret or you're doing it in faith that someone's going to interpret. So let's just say you bust out in a tongue Mm -hmm. and nobody interprets. Stop. Right. I mean, so it, I mean, I'm, you have I mean, to you, uh, you have to do it in faith to begin with. I'm not even against the person well, that is motivated I, yeah. by God. If God was to lay it on me to start speaking in tongues, I would be faithful to do it. Right. But I surely would be looking for somebody to know what I'm up to because I have no idea what I'm up to. And the spirit of God just moved through me at a point that I could not turn away from my Lord. And it comes through me like that. The way that I've ever had anybody tell me about speaking in tongues on the mission field, wherever they were at. That's what happened. Yeah. So if that happened to me at church while I'm preaching, I will do it. Mm-hmm. Now, if nobody interprets, I will apologize. Mm. Interesting. You don't. I don't see that. You don't see that practiced much. Because I was stealing God's glory, and if God mm-hmm. gave me that gift, that was between me and God, according to the Scripture, and that's the only reason I would apologize. I would not apologize because I did it. I would apologize because I apparently misunderstood why I did it. Mm. With that said, though. That's interesting. When I pray with my spirit and my mind, so um, I've read different people that say they start out praying with their hands on their knee. They sit down and they close their eyes and they have their palms up mm-hmm. and they pray about God first. Mm. All the things about the spiritual realm. Thank you, God, for all these things, all the things that you've done. And, and, and they start with God. Right. Basically, the premise of Jesus, how do you pray? Well, you right. pray yeah, first yeah. your heavenly father and all right. you know, things he's done. And then when you have reverenced God, whatever your big problem is probably feeling pretty small at this point, because you were just talking about like, God, thank you for the whole creation. And, you know, it's, it, it got pretty big pretty quick. So then yeah, when it gets right. to your big deal, number one, it helps put it in proper perspective. Yeah, amen. Um, but they would turn their hands over and then they would pray the things that they needed from God or intercessory prayer for others. But there was a physical, I pray with my spirit. And then I pray for this this physical life. Mm. And to me, that's the same thing here is, I mean, I may pray things that are so high in meta-narrative that I don't really understand everything that I'm praying for, but I'm praying mm. for your will and I'm praying for your kingdom to come and I'm praying for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Things I, I can't totally understand. It's something much bigger than yourself. But obviously. I know I say amen. Yeah. However, Father, now that I know that I'm in your presence and I don't want to leave without letting you know I need you, even though I know you know, mm. you know, and, and, and I know that That's you're good. a heavenly father, according to your son, and they would chase him at night to find him. And he was interceding for those that he loved and met that day. Here's where I'm at. Here are the broken things I've heard here. Please give me an, a word or an assurance or a leading and, and pray that things you can understand right. um, to where you don't get so heavenly lifted you're no earthly good or however that saying goes yeah, yeah. heavenly minded that you're no yeah, earthly, earthly good, good yeah. and 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 it could happen on either side and to me i always thought that was a neat premise for prayer is to keep those together however paul also says this when you originally asked the question over in uh the chapter on love he says that when i was a child i spoke like a child i thought like a child and i reasoned like a child but when i gave and became a man i gave up my childish ways so when i was a child i spoke thought and reasoned hmm. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Hmm. So spoke, thought, and reason, which ones are his ways? You know, when I was a child, I spoke. Right. I thought. Mm-hmm. That's the mind. And I reasoned. Would it be that's, reason? that's the mind. Yeah. Right? So when I, when I grew up and I matured, 
I realized that the childish, what is a child defined as compared to a man? Uh, uh, a child has to be provided for. You can't do anything dependent. on your own. Yeah, there you dependent, go. Yeah. And a man is supposedly a provider and a protector. That's what made him a right. man is he's no longer now protected. Kind of like the law was our protector until we received Christ. Right. Yeah. All right. Now Christ is for the sonship and the law was just a teacher. Hmm. All right. So when you were small, mama said, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, and you depended on your parents and, and where they failed, then you learned other things, but right. you had a, hopefully, hopefully you had a love for your parents right. and your parents put you through what you were going through in love. Mm -hmm. But when you could say I'm a man and I put away my childish things means that I started thinking as an independent thinker versus a dependent thinker. Right. Now, of course, in my spirit, I'm always dependent because I'm connected and I, and oh, it I flows. Yeah. But as a man, I'm accountable and responsible man or woman. That's not, you know, a gender thing, but ultimately when we became sons and daughters of the father through our husband, Jesus, mm -hmm. We become sons of God for the inheritance, mm -hmm. and we become brides of Christ so that we are dependent on him, mm -hmm. but we are independent ambassadors. Mm. We're, is that the more the working out of the Caesarean vassal type thing where we're, we're doing, we're, you know, we're going and we're doing, we're our own, we're our own city, if you will, but we're doing mm -hmm. the things with the, the glory of his name. Correct. With so that in mind. You can look up the words if you're not familiar with them, but a suzerian is a sovereign king, a vassal right. is a lesser king, but a king of his people. Right. And what Mick is saying, okay, so Jesus Christ becomes our sovereign suzerian, right. and we become a vassal in his name by invitation through word, not by blood, yes. so that we're the bride of Christ, and then people are birthed through us and for us and to us through the power of the Holy Spirit right. from our, our our head, Jesus Christ, which is our sovereign. Mm -hmm. But we're not sovereign, and neither is he, yeah. because we're two steps from being the one that says anything. So then our all of our authority belongs to him. So there's the dependence mm -hmm. as you know the bride, right? But there's the independence that I've sent you as an ambassador to this world, right? Um, you should have a assurance, yeah. And and if you die for it, well, then you died a great death, and that's the purpose that I sent you, right? I mean, we we can we we can. Hmm. Oh, wheels are turning. There's. Now. Every day, there are so many things left on the table that I could have done different. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every day. And everything in this world wants to talk to you out about how it's okay because you did do this or what about, no, for eternity. Those are things I could have done today that I didn't. Mm -hmm. Now, I can independently take responsibility for that, but then know it when I failed him. Yeah. I've got the assurance of Christ and the fact that he's done everything so that I can still stand. Yeah. Well, that is that is the assurance. The assurance is the assurance is in. He has completed it. He has finished the work, and he has done those things. But, but today, uh, like today, I failed. I could I could have done better. But the reason that I have the assurance is because he has done those things. But he has called me to live like he lived. Yeah, because he said, "Deny thinking this is about yourself." Right. Take up your death mm -hmm. and follow me, because I did it first. Right. Well, live live the life that I that I paid for. I mean, that's basically what he was saying to us. It's an it's an invitation to be, and 
to do like he like to do like he did and if he didn't think high enough of him if he thought of himself lower than the angels for a time to be a servant he didn't come to be served he came to be to serve others i think about one of the things that comes to mind when we're talking about this is where um lazarus dies and he's standing before the before the tomb and he prays the prays the god and he says thank you for hearing my voice i know you hear my voice and this isn't this isn't for me this is for them this is so he's doing and in that moment there's a lot of times that that i think about that because i still get blown away and i still get moved by the fact when i pray for something and god makes a way it it's it still humbles me and it fills me with joy and all those things that that god heard my prayer and he answered it i i still don't get over that I, you know some people kind of look at me like what do you mean they're like why are you like but but to me, I always think of it that way is that there's so many things that when I look at my life at the end of every single day, I do, I do think there are a lot of things that I could have done differently. I could have done better and all the, and all those things. So I'm constantly seeing where I could have done better, but I'm thankful now in, in the conversations with you and reading these different authors and stuff like that, that I get to go and try and do better tomorrow. I get to, it's an opportunity to be more Christ-like tomorrow than I was today. And every day, every day is that opportunity. So you'd agree that assurance is your strength. Yes. And that's all in Christ. Right. And then your weakness where his perfection is found is inside of our failures. Yes. All right. And then you use biblical examples, but two of mine, John works in illustrations is how my mind works. And you've right. got the feeding of the 5,000, which would have been about 20,000 people because they did not count women and children. And he feeds them and they, they're they like, we're going to raise up and make this dude our ruler because he's going to be the guy that throws, yeah. throws Rome. I mean, that's yeah. not in the Bible. That's kind of just kind of letting you know what they were thinking. Right. So he's like, you 12, go get in a boat. And you're like, <laughs> Peter's like, do what? I mean, this is what we've been waiting on. That's not in the Bible either, but you know that he was. And he's like, no, go get in the boat right now. So you know they're walking up, they're like, man, go get in the boat. So they all get in the boat, and of course they got their baskets of, of bread, and there's tons of lessons there. Jesus, you know, gets away from the crowd, he goes up and he's praying for them, and then he walks on the water, and they almost die, and they're fishermen, and that, you know, Jesus lets Peter walk on the boat after telling all of them to get out, so it wasn't just Peter, yeah. but another ton, tons of lessons, and they get to the other side, where the people wake up, mm-hmm. and they're like, hey man, where'd our king go? Yeah, I mean, he's going to overthrow Rome. Well, they figure out he's not here, so he had to go over the water. So they they finally track him down. Mm-hmm. He turns around. He gives them this hard saying that they couldn't understand. You eat my flesh, drink my blood. blood yeah. And they all leave, and you know there's 12 guys just standing there looking at him, and Peter's shaking his head like, this public relations is like something that you <laughs> stink at, Jesus. I mean, we had 20,000 people. Uh, it, finally. You just and, drove and, them all away, bro. And you come up with this eating your flesh and drinking your blood, man. So. But Jesus looks them dead in their eyes, right? Right. And yeah, he yeah. looks them dead in their eyes and he says, so are you guys going to leave me too? Yeah. Now, in that story, when you put it in illustration, the way my mind sees it, mm-hmm. there was 20,000 people that God said it wasn't about them and they didn't gain a thing from it. Mm. There was only 12. Wow. So the walking on the water, the feeding of the 12,000, having bread left over, you being mad because you had to get in the boat. Because that's how I, I, that's not in the Bible. That's how I process that. Because I'm like the 13th guy walking down the road, swatting flies. Because, I mean, I love reading my scripture and I love putting myself there. And ultimately, God looks at me and says, everything that's being done is being done for you. Mm. So there's your assurance. Right. 
And that's all been done through Christ that everything that happened in your life today, nobody else may have even paid attention to, but you could have, so you're responsible for it. Right. At, all right. Then you've got the washing of the feet mm. and Jesus standing up and taking off his robe. Yeah. And basically that meant I've been clothed with who I am, but I've unclothed myself to come to be the servant. Like you had said, I right. guess that's what made that I've become, and I'm now your servant and I need to wash your feet. And you got Peter. Once again, it's gotta be Peter. Yeah, it's gotta Peter's be. like, Hey man, I mean, if you're going to do that and I gotta, I gotta have it, just wash my whole body. Then he's like, no, Peter, I only have to wash your feet because you've already been washed clean through baptism, just like every other believer. Right. But as you're going, you're going to have to continue to wash your feet because it's contacting this world. Mm -hmm. And I've come so that you can learn how to wash each other's feet mm -hmm. because you are now dependent on each other, yeah. but you independently have to be involved. Mm -hmm. And then he gets dressed. Now, do you not think once they realized what Jesus was doing, they didn't say, don't, no, don't do this, master. Don't. Do you think Mary didn't tell his son, you don't have to go to the cross? Right. I mean, out of love, you you don't have everything in this world is going to try and keep you from the one thing you were sent to do, which is to lay your life down. So to lay your right. life down, to die for me is the gospel. So there, there goes your prosperity gospel. There goes your false assurance. There goes your expectations. In the end, you were born to die so mm -hmm. that you can live. <clears throat> The work is hard, the wages are low, but the retirement I hear is amazing. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, but you don't get to do it until you're there. So it, right. it, 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 what do you love? What are you doing? What you do for the deeper things? You can't heal a heart unless yours has been healed. And then you have to have your story in the power of God. Yeah. If you're speaking in tongues, it's between you and God. And if he calls you to use it, then amen. Right. But ultimately, the reason he continues to go back to, hey, you need to learn how to prophesy is before Christ, they were prophesying about everything God was going to do. After Christ, they prophet, we prophesy about what Christ has done. Amen. So to be a prophetic spirit is to, like it says in the scripture, is to edify, is to build up, is to bring people together. It's to, to, to remember who Christ was mm -hmm. so that we can be like that because of who he is. Mm -hmm because one day we will bear his image in heaven. And I mean. Yeah, I think so. Well, one of the things when we get in talking about tongues, what kind of led me down this entire path was this uh, testimony of a brother I was in a Bible study with, and I can't exactly remember where he was, but he was telling me that he was on a bus and he was going down the road. It may have been like Morocco or somewhere like that. He was going down, going down the road. And the Holy Spirit told him to get off the bus. So he gets off the bus and he just starts walking. He was like, the Holy Spirit literally directed my path exactly where I was supposed to go. Winds up at this garage or something like that. And there's two guys standing there. He stands right in front of this guy and starts speaking the native, the native tongue to this guy. And he goes, I don't know a lick of that language. Mm -hmm. So he speaks the language to him. Luckily, there's an interpreter right beside him who knows English, so he says in the language to the guy, and the guy responds to him, and then he interprets back to him, has this whole entire conversation, and he said, to this day, I do not know what I said. I don't know what, what impact it made. I don't know what difference it made in the guy's life. He said, I just did what the Holy Spirit told me to do. As soon as the conversation was done, I left. And I will never forget thinking, 
I have never heard an example like that before. Everyone understood it. <laughs> and everyone understood God had showed up, whether the interpreter, whether the speaker, yes. whether the listener, mm-hmm. it was for that purpose. Now, I read a lot and yeah. autobiographies are like my fiction. It's more my entertainment because I just don't do fiction. Yeah. So I, I read a lot of deeper things, but I, my autobiographies are, so I've, I've read a lot of autobiographies of missionaries yeah, that we all have, know you're weird. have, well, that's fine, <laughs> but they have these amazing experiences on the mission field where it would be called for because they're out where no one else is gone. Right. All right. Yeah. Right. Amen. God's still the same God. There's no doubt that tongues happen. Absolutely. It's, it, it's there's a purpose. Yeah. So if you live in America, mm-hmm. you have a phone. Yes. That you can look up anything in any language you want. You can. You can even set it to where I speak in English and it's my interpreter and it speaks to you. Or you you could say, what do you speak? And you could get your phone to be the interpreter. Right. I don't need tongues because I've got an interpreter for what I, it is my tongue. Right. If I'm preaching and you put Spanish rolling down on the bottom for our Spanish patrons that day. Mm-hmm. that's speaking in tongues baby all day long in other words i'm not doing it but there's an interpreter for the spanish right. allowing them to see the spanish letters so in a first world country where you have all these tools doing what the tongues would be accomplishing what are the purpose of the tongues if it can be accomplished through other means mm-hmm. compared to three people speaking in tongues there no interpreter and then feeling like well if you don't do that you really shouldn't be here yeah, and so, I mean, you can see when, when we get steps away from it, the, the true heart of this whole conversation is why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? Right. And that's before you and God, not before you and anyone else. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's easy for either side to slant away from each other. And that's right. why it becomes the issue and stays the issue that it is. Right. But in love, in unity, we should start to hope. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hope he has me speak in tongues and the tub tonight oh dude i've prayed for it for forever but if it doesn't happen it doesn't affect my assurance right at all it doesn't and it also doesn't negate the gift that i've been given by any means whatsoever i think a lot of times we get we get so sidetracked with what other people can do that we don't do that we neglect the gift that god has given us and we are chasing and praying for something that is not our that is not our gift but that's because and i i i firmly believe we only see this problem inside of you know countries where you have so, the abundance of so many things it's because i don't have that i gotta have that well, not only so many things because i think the average bio the average home in america has like three point something bibles and the only people that even care about it is in the bible built so for that to be a true statement true, that yeah. we've got a lot of bibles yeah well yeah. And we've got apps and we've got TV shows and we've, I mean, TV evangelists, whatever, right. you know, you, you've got avenues. Yeah. What you just said strings a big cord though. So if you go down to Haiti or you go to, I don't know about Morocco, I've never been there, but either way you go to a actual mission field. Yeah. Sometimes they'll have like four pages of Mark. Yeah. That's all they got. But they know it oh, and they, they believe it and they, they believe the God of Mark. Yeah. And they pray before they do anything Mm -hmm. and they challenge you with their faith Mm -hmm. because they don't know anything and you're there to teach them because they don't know and they they want your knowledge oh yeah so you want their faith they want your knowledge now you you come back home and you've got all this knowledge but we don't have any faith because we don't want to suffer 
Yeah. We don't want any faith because we don't really want our hard things. We want to we want to find ways away from the things that God uses to grow faith. Right. Because we know so much, we can justify and rationalize ourselves with our mind, and mm-hmm. our spirit never grows to where we spiritually want their faith. Right. But they want our mind. Mm-hmm. So then we get home, and our mind explains away the very things that would lead us to our faith. Right. Um. That doesn't mean that I arbitrarily start making up things that make me feel more spiritual right. when there is the evidence the, the the knowledge that says no you can't you can't do that that's in your power you can't you're not you're not doing anything but laying weight on yourself according right. to the word of god which is going to lead to more suffering well yeah so you said the different gifts because there was different there was a gift for wisdom there was a difference for knowledge um working miracles healing yeah. all of one holy spirit prophecy the ability to distinguish between spirits which i think is a incredibly important one mm-hmm. um the gift of using tongues and the interpretation of tongues and it's in order i mean in other words the spirit utters of wisdom and then knowledge well the beginning of wisdom is fear of the lord beginning of knowledge is mm. fear of the lord yeah all right so the fear of the lord it. is the very beginning of all this and then romans 3 at the very end it says you know no one seeks him no not one but at the end it right. says there's no fear of the lord before their eyes mm. So what's the problem? If you can play games and pretend like you're speaking in tongues when you can't, that has to do with you and the fear of the Lord. If you're faking, right? If you're not, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not the judge, and and, and I'm I'm, not, I'm saying this is one of those things that that's between you and the Lord, right? But if you're forcing it, mm-hmm. then that's between you and God, and that's what needs to be the number one thing is the wisdom of knowing this whole life is about Him and His glory. Yeah, the knowledge of the law that he's given which is in the Torah, it's about relationships it's mm-hmm. you're loving god and loving others at the cost of yourself right all right so what, what how do i know that's going to start taking place is because the faith is a gift of the spirit so another is faith by the same spirit mm-hmm. so now i have faith unto faith because i believe more and more in his wisdom because of what the knowledge i'm gaining to where my faith is growing to where I start to heal and then healing words and power come out of me and into other people's lives because when they see me, they think, oh, here comes Eric, not, oh, here comes Eric. <laughs> right? And, you, and, and that's the discerning of the spirits because don't tell me at work, you don't have some people that when you're down, you love to see them because yes. you know they're going to be there for you and you know that they actually care. And then there's those other people like, oh, they got worse. <laughs> Because now I can't talk about it because I know what they're going to do. And they're going to go to somewhere else and tell everybody about it. And they're going to put their own spin on it. So I can't even be known today. All right. But ultimately, when this starts taking place, you'll be able to prophesy, which is about what? What Christ has done for the Father's glory by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you start to become the gospel. And then if God lays tongues on you and or allows you to interpret, you should want to interpret more and speak in tongues. That's just the Bible. Yeah. And, and and then in like 14, like literally right after all this love language and love doesn't end, he says, pursue love, mm-hmm. earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So what he just said was pursue, go do love, mm-hmm. go be loving, be the lover. Right. right. Now, as you're the lover, desire to speak in tongues tonight in the tub. Yeah. Right. Sure. Hope so. Didn't sure. happen last night. Yeah. Might happen tonight. Might, might happen more than if it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Right, but yeah, what right. I should aspire to is having enough wisdom and knowledge to be able to prophesy about what Jesus Christ has done for me and what it means for God's glory, mm. which is the gospel. Yeah. All right. So th- there's the, the whole emphasis is it's all about the gospel, making it known to all, believer, unbeliever, unto myself, so that His glory is His. Right. 
anything else is stealing it. And that's it. That's his, mm-hmm. I want you to speak in tongues. I want you to have a prayer relationship that is supernatural and powerful. But if you're doing it for others, pursue love, <laughs> earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, right? but you're especially trying to learn how to give it away to others. Right. It's not something, it's not something for you to say, Oh, look, here he comes. Cause that, that's once again, we're missing, you know, that spirit. Yeah. Well, here they come. Yeah. You're, you're missing, missing the mark again. So with all of that, with all that being said inside of that and inside of that pursuing love and being able to pour into people and being able to remind them that this isn't about us, this is about God. And this is, well, I, w- I want to say this first because I was thinking about this while we were talking a second ago, and it it is all personal. We talk about the temple; we are the temple. The point, the whole point of the temple was that that's where God dwells. Well, the temple was inside of the city, was it not? It was in still still inside of the the kingdom, if you will. Jerusalem. Yeah, it was inside of that. So. It's about the personal relationship, which is now we're the temple, but when we're the temple and God's inside of us, it's about going and doing those things to the, with the people, taking that internal relationship that you have and loving others, prophesying about the things that Jesus has done, that, which, is, which is literally doing the gospel. I mean, that's what, but, but it starts internally. It starts with those desires and all those things. So, yeah, it's not wrong for you to desire the gifts and all those things, but if you're not, if you're not pursuing and going deeper into that relationship with God to know him more then your mo- there's no telling what your motives will turn into because it's easy to become haughty when you have a gift and other people acknowledge your gift and other people are envious of your gift but that's an opportunity for you to be able to turn to that person and go well you have the thing that that I desired for a long time to be able to have that word of knowledge, have that word of wisdom. Like that's an opportunity for you to not heap the reward on you, but to literally point out their gift and say, how awesome is it though, that God's given us different things for the body. All right. So I just want, I wanted to say that cause I feel like that's missing a lot. Cause a lot of times when you get the compliment, you, you're not really encouraging or, or giving the other person any recognition either. Cause there's a lot like my mom with hospitality, dude, I am not good at that, but that is a gift that my, <laughs> that God has given my mom. And I wish that I could do it. My wife has the same thing where she's like, she wants people to come to our house when we have gatherings and things like that. And I'm like, oh, no, not people. You know, I mean, that's just, just the way I am internally, but I, I can't appreciate that. And I've even thought to myself several times before the end of the day thinking, I could probably stand to be a little bit more hospitable. <laughs> so you should. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like follow, follow pursue that. Cause that would be love. Right. Right. Um, and sometimes people can do more with a hug than they can with words because that's their gift. Oh, I love giving hugs. Too. Um, and some people just, I'm just saying the power of God flows through some people when they give you a hug compared to it. I, I mean, right. I, I love to hug also, but not, not like I'm talking about, I'm talking about like it's a spiritual gift for some people. Right. But even when he calls his first disciples, there were two casting a net and there were two mending the nets. And there's some that get healing and and, and hospitality and things that wouldn't be on certain people. The go-getters, the Peters, the foot in the mouth, me. Right. I'm not thinking that way because I'm driven out here. Right. 
but usually somebody that loves me has got a chain and they're trying to hold me back. That way I don't become, you know, what I could without them being in my life. Um, so it, it takes both because they need each other. Right. What I just thought of when you gave that scenario though, is if you go into a bar and somebody's talking about all the people they killed overseas while they were in the military, I promise they didn't do any of that. They really worked in shipping and receiving. Right. They they read a couple of fiction books and they watched a few movies and, and, and more or less, those are the people that the, the real ones in the bar that would never talk about it unless they break down with someone they really love and trust because they have to allow that to be brought back to the surface. Uh-huh. Um, they go and look their name up on a database because they know where those names are at and that name won't be there. Right. Um, so the same thing is available for us in the gospel. So mm. if it's really happening in Jerusalem, Jerusalem was inside the city walls. Right. All right. So ring of fire, Johnny Cash, ring of fire. I love it. Right. Well, that's out of the old Testament where the yeah. Holy spirit becomes the ring of fire, the wall that's around your heart as Jerusalem. So, mm-hmm. That burning wall means anything that's so close to your heart you talk about more than prophesying about Jesus, you need to push out and allow that wall to take care of. Mm. But it also means that there's plenty of things that were walled outside of your city that need to be brought so you can restore yourself for the the prophetic work and accomplishment of Christ to gain the things that we hide from and the things that you invite your old self to the gospel and you push your new self into the gospel. Right or else you shouldn't be sharing the gospel. Mm. So the one that shares the gospel should be sharing what he is doing in his own heart, and his own life right. to where it naturally pours out. Hey, the other day I was doing this right. and then I read the scripture and it motivated me to remember this. And when I remembered it, I got to kind of encounter I, me with we, me inside of the right relationship. Yeah. And man, we crushed the fact that we didn't know what God has shown us. And wow. with that said though, then the spiritual gifts flow through you from a dependent assurance. Right. So then it literally says down here that if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at the most and each in turn and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. So it didn't say don't speak in tongues. It says if you're not in the environment that it's going to be about God, then Keep it inside and let it restore you. Mm. Let let it be within your walls to where that prayer can be applied spiritually to what's broken in you, and you you're not you're not disorienting the believer and the unbeliever. You are being restored spiritually by God, which is the purpose of the gift, so that right. you can properly then pursue love and go after prophecy. Right. So that when you're one-on-one with someone and you tell them you speak in tongues, it matters to that person because they know you're not playing because there's right. no, there's no game. Right. There's, there's, so if, if, if me and you went out to lunch and you were like, yeah, I mean, during that third song, God just kind of had me speaking some tongues. Yeah. I'd be like, really? <laughs> they, they, <laughs> but it's someone I love and they look at me and like, yeah. And I was like, can you do it now? <laughs> right. But I got no reason to disbelieve that. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But now if it's at the end of the third song, like when the song stops and then you all of a sudden break into it, it's like, wait a minute now. I mean, <laughs> right or wrong, right. my defenses are up in one scenario and they're down in another. Right. The person that brags about it mm-hmm. probably isn't the person that has it because yeah. the person that has it is mature and, and, and 
they would love for you to have it. Right. I, I'm like, Paul, I, I, I hope you learn to speak in tongues. Right. But, but if you do, you'll already be mature enough to know what to do with it. Right. If you're not and you're pretending, my warning is the Bible warns you against that. And, and you're stealing God's glory and you're outside of his design. Now, inside of that, I need you to know that there's, there's things that everybody doesn't know. And it doesn't make me right or wrong. It just makes me encourage you to read the scripture as the word of God to you. Right. Um, but just like where he says women should be silent, that was because women had not been invited into knowing yet. They were all still immature in their thinking. That does not mean 50 years later that when women were around the gospel just as much as men, that right. I, I challenge you to look at the last hundred years of the church and tell me that the woman hasn't been the one that has kept that church going right. in the United States. So, and I, I used to be totally opposite of that, and that could be another podcast at other times. Yeah, I would love to get into that. But, I mean, there's no way that he was saying women were second class. He was saying this is how it came through a function in order. Right. The same way I'm saying you need to look at spiritual gifts that way. Right. We need to look at the way we were taught in his, you know, na historical narrative. Right. But that doesn't mean that if, you, if he says be silent in church where it's going to look that way, he doesn't say be silent on the mission field. He just says, know the difference in when you're supposed to do it. Right. Well, have that, have that mature thinking. So a woman at that time should press into her man because her man should have been invested in the, in the knowledge of at least of Judaism inside right. of Jerusalem to be able to catch them up. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't, they weren't equal in value. It was, right. they were not equal in the, the time of being taught. Okay. That makes sense. And even today though, I mean, you want your man to protect and provide for you. Right. So the best way for you to stay within that role, unless it needs to be handled different, is to get in the car and then let your husband or boyfriend hear all of your emotion and then let him protect and provide for you and watch him stand up for you as a representation of Christ because you gave him the opportunity mm -hmm. so that your kids see you allow your husband to be the protective provider. So then when you talk about the father and the son being the masculine order mm -hmm. that they see that the same way the husband needs to allow well you don't have to lie the truth is they were born through her and for her and by her and it doesn't really matter what you do they still love mom oh yeah you absolutely. know and so it's but there there's a design in that that as far as taking it and saying well, well you should be quiet because you know that's not right at the same time, is there value inside of using it as, as an example to present the, the way God designed the family, to right. present your man an opportunity behind every good man, there's a good woman, woman because yeah. they give them the opportunity to do those things. Mm -hmm. um, if you break down either side, yeah, it, it's still both and for the children that are watching inside the family, it's still both and. Right. And the father has to be a father unto his children and his bride. Yes. Both and he doesn't get to be a good husband and a horrible father. Right. Um, and not saying that there's not plenty of those examples. That's not God's design. That's not right. the order that he intended. Right. And that's all Paul is after here is the order and orderly worship, the function mm -hmm. for which we're here. If we would all learn the word well enough to prophesy, most of these problems would go away. Yeah. <laughs> well, what would, well, what would a church look, look like that was, um, was decent and everything was in, was in order. I'll tell you, 
the only thing I can do is give an opinion. Right. I mean, so I guess you're asking Eric Moran's opinion on what I think that kind of church would look like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in, in that way, it literally says in here, I love it that it says it. It says, okay, so what then, brother? This is literally, this is Paul's answer, not Eric. So I'll get to my opinion in a minute. This is not <laughs> Eric's opinion. This is the word of God. All right. So Paul says in 14, uh, 26, what then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three should be there. And if he doesn't you know, have an interpreter, he should be silent in church. Right. All right. So it just said that, God help us, I'm supposed to sing a hymn. <laughs> and then, and then, so a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. That means I can wake up with the Lord in my heart and sing on the way to church. Yep. I got a hymn. I should have a lesson, something that I'm trying to teach, and that, that could be in whatever capacity that you find. That, that could be one-on-one -on -one with a brother that looks forward to you every day, brother or sister. That could be in Sunday school. That could be in youth. That could be adults. A revelation. Now, all truth has got to be re revealed. Right. All right. And then when you learn a lesson, that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I look in the scripture and I read it and I pull a lesson out of it, mm -hmm. that's the lesson that I'm going to teach out of the truth of God, correct? Right, yeah. All right, a revelation is when I've never seen that before. Yeah, like truth is revealed to you. Yeah, and right. then, okay, inside of my lesson, now God just added some depth that it might be next week's lesson because I got to sit in front of that lesson, right. in front of the lesson that God just taught me through his revelation type thing. Right. Um, but those are the ones you get excited about because then it's the living word. Right. Now, a tongue would be to a different people group that don't know the language or an interpretation and ultimately a church now now that's that's the scripture now as far as my opinion mm -hmm. a church that had a song in their heart all week yeah was willing to teach you a lesson that they just learned yeah because god reveals everything to them as they're going right would then be more likely to be sent places that they would be called on to speak in tongues and hopefully brought a brother or sister to interpret with them right so a church that's sending, a church that's edifying, and a church that's alive as they're going. We are the church. We don't go to a church. Right. Um, that, that would be my, my goal for And like he says, each one of you then, when you come, each one of you, mm -hmm. um, we should all be alive in Christ. And, and your pastor is not a paid professional. We've messed that up for a long time. He's just a brother that hopefully God re does reveal to him in special ways. But ultimately, he is just one of the brothers and sisters in the church. He has no authority other than Christ. So, I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's got no more authority than you other than he's been called to be a pastor, which means he has to be willing to bear a lot of burden. That Well, he has to love people that are unloving. To you and to others. And then he also has to carry a lot of what some would call secrets, but others would call respect. I mean, right. I, I respect your privacy. I respect your trust. I respect that you're coming to me in that role that God has called me to, mm -hmm. um, you're already doubly accountable if you got a lesson. Yeah, right? Your teacher, your teacher by definition. So, right. But we should all want to be doubly accountable. It shouldn't be like, oh, I was going to do it, but nope, get doubly accountable. Can't do it no more. It's like, no, 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 that's not the point. <laughs> the, the point is, here I am, Lord, send me. Right. If they ask for one thing, give them twice as much as they ask for, and, yeah. and God will provide for you. But a pastor's role is to be a shepherd, and if, your pastor's unloving, your pastor needs you to talk to him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I totally agree. I mean, I, that's my desire as a worship leader, that 
there's something that we do inside of church that would people would be singing the rest of the week they would they would call to remembrance you know worshiping in front of everyone and listening to people sing that's one of my i love it more i love i love it so much to listen to hear the church sing i it's my desire for them to absolutely drown me out and me not even i not even have to lead that they just kind of take over and it's happened several times but it's always it's always beautiful it's moving i love it it's when when i got a chance to visit churches there's a couple of times I just got to sit back and I just got to just to listen and be in the presence of God and his people. And I was worshiping out of, out of the overflow of, you know, God's presence there and just mm-hmm. listen, being able to be a part of it is really cool. Cause a lot of times when you're driving, you know, it's, it's different because you, you have to be cognitively aware, you know, and there are times where God takes over and all those things, you know, but at the same time too, like as a leader, you know, people are looking to you to be, Right, you know, lead them. So you don't always get the opportunity to have the experience that other people do. Other people get to have. So I have to have a lot of those experiences, on you know, by myself at my, at my house and stuff like that. But I love that opportunity and that time to just where it's me and God, and I'm just worshiping and singing. And sometimes it turns into just basking in that presence, and that's you know, it's where I find the find rest and all those things and just getting filled back up and letting him do what he does to sustain me, to continue and to keep going and to keep driving and keep pursuing him. But with the, with this whole entire conversation, what can we take away um, to not tear at the seams of the bride, but build each other up and unite in spirit and in truth? Just like we were talking about every individual a blend of things I can show you in scripture and also in my opinion where God has brought me from. To be able to love God with my mind and in spirit to me is the difference in preaching and pastoring. Mm. So preaching, I get to go and hear the word of God and prepare to proclaim who he is, what he's done, and how that affects us today. Mm-hmm. But the pastoring is then where it softened my understanding enough in the spirit to allow those words to hopefully be said in a way that can be heard because I don't just want to preach and know that I did what God wanted me to do. Mm. I want you to hear it. Mm. And there was a time that I didn't. I mean, and not not that I was like, I, 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 had a hard heart. I just didn't understand the softened heart. Right. But once you understand the softened heart, I get to pastor more when people come to me during the week where they actually run into something that they, they want a third individual involved in and they've heard the proclamation and they've enjoyed that. But then it gets very individual and specific. So generally we need to know how to prophesy, Mm -hmm. proclaim. Right. Know the word of God, be the word of God. Right. But pastoring is the spirit, which means be open to receive anything God calls you to. Because mm-hmm. who knows when he may use you. But it should be about God and others and not yourself. Right. And if you're a pastor and you pretend to be something you're not, you're going to flame out. Mm. And, and they're flaming out all over the place and always have been. The, the tenure of pastors is very short because you cannot pretend with God without him taking his glory back. Yeah, amen. 
So if you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you think God's always going to keep you healthy and wealthy, the one thing God's going to take away from you is your health and your wealth and your expectations because he's God. Mm-hmm. That's his glory. And yeah. he loves you too much. He, don't, he doesn't want you to carry that weight for all of eternity. Proclamation is biblically important. It's something that has to be there. There has to be the order. There has to be the God that's not a God of confusion. Mm-hmm. But there's going to have to be pastors because we're in a land of confusion. Right. Well, there's going to there's gonna have to be pastors that are going out there and they are loving people where they are, but presenting them and challenging them. Spirit and truth. They're challenging them to love one another. Meeting them in their spirit, which is their inner question with the truth of God. Proclamation. Right. Presentation. Yeah. Absolutely. When when those come together, my word is whole. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I can work my body and work my mind and love God, that's a, that's a complete day. Yeah. And, and I mean, all three take effort. All three take focus. All three have been given to me by God to where I'm accountable for doing them. Right. But the only one that can wake up tomorrow and do me is me mm-hmm. only by the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is from the love of the Father by the love of the Son, and I'm a miracle. Question is, will I, will I believe that in the morning, mm-hmm. or will I believe everything else telling me I'm already tired and you don't have to do this and so and so does such and such? And when you become whole, mm-hmm. to work my body, to work my spirit, and to love God doing it, it's a full day's work. Yeah, and then people they end up like on a Friday saying, "So what did you do yesterday?" And you realize you have to start like last Saturday. You're like, "Okay, well, last Saturday I did this and this and because." And then as you're telling the story, you're like, "I'm getting tired. I didn't know I did all this because I'm not concentrating on yesterday, and I'm not really worried about tomorrow. Today is the day that the Lord's made, and today is the day that I I should keep my eyes on." Mm -hmm. Um, I would I would do less, and I'd be a whole lot more worried. Had I not become whole, yeah. God loves me. Yeah, I don't know why, but me neither. He's he's <laughs> he's done amazing things. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's a and that's the reality that we all need to be. We we need to be tapped into, and we need to be that needs to be our our thesis every day when we wake up. You know, I mean, and antithesis are going to come, but our thesis needs to start with. I'm a miracle. I'm here today to do what God has sent me out to do, and that's proclaim what He's done and be a difference maker in someone else's in someone else's life at the cost of myself. And pretending to be too high is the worst approach because God's yeah. closer when you're down. God's mm-hmm. closer in your depression. God's closer in I hate my life. He's there, right? Right, and. It's not hard to hold on to him because he's the only thing you got, and he's holding on to you at the bottom. Right. But the higher you get, mm-hmm. the harder it is to hold on to him because you start taking his credit, and you start living in pride, and you start thinking you're entitled. Right. So to pretend like you're up, yeah, is to be in the worst place to really know him because mm. you've got to be honest. I mean, even though I'm a miracle, I still fail every day. I still wish things were different. I still, you know, there's my fleshly side, right? my mind. Yeah. But the Spirit's always sitting right there with everything he's done that I don't deserve and the grace. Right. So. And that brings, brings you back to that 
but I'm not a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's the that's the good thing. I mean, that's what you can you can rest in the fact that you're not just saying it to say it. I mean, you believe it, you live it, and you you do it, and you do the best that you can, and you have your you have your assurance. But you're also not sitting sitting by waiting for something to happen. You're actually actively out there doing it, and inside of your failures, like you said on a previous episode, if he's close to you and your failures, then you become a worshiping machine. And I don't have to worry about what you think I should sound like or how you think I should dress and you don't have to kiss my ring or none of that. I mean, right. literally when I'm down, still have, I believe in him just as much as I do when I'm up. And like I said, it's harder for me to give him glory when everything's going good. When I'm down and you see me, I still got a God that loves me because I remember where he found me. Right. Yeah. Cause that was, that was the, that was the lowest point of your life that you could have been at when, that he found you and secured secured you and did something for you that you didn't deserve and into that and into that life that he gave you you found a life worth living and that life is is worth serving him and seeking him and proclaiming and prophesying of all the things that Jesus has done when you do see healing in people's eyes hearts and lives mm-hmm. on a few times when people ask you a question that you know you don't have any wisdom on, but you know what the wisdom of it is. Right. And I don't have to say, like me, I can say this is the same thing I'm pursuing. And I remember that exact question you just asked me. And I'm not like talking about back when I was lost. I'm talking about like last Tuesday. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But I don't have to pretend like I'm better than I am because I can be honest, but I can tell you I'm not where you're at because of what he's done. Right. And I'm not where he found me, which is way further than where you are currently. Right. So he, he, he loved me back there. He's fully calling you into why you're asking this question right now. Mm-hmm. And all I can tell you is if he gets a hold of your heart, the main reason people don't give God all their heart is he could ask me to do anything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah really good. Yep. <laughs> really good. Well, brother, I've enjoyed this conversation and it's been super good and fun and we all we hope that you have enjoyed it as well if you would like to donate to the ministry we have a patreon it is uh, patreon.com slash faith fleshed out we also would ask that you would uh, friend us on facebook and follow us on instagram and on twitter and if you have any questions or want to give us words of encouragement or anything like that we have a email that you can reach out to us on it is faith fleshed out at gmail.com that is fate fleshed out at gmail.com we uh we thank you for joining us and it's been like i said an absolute pleasure and this has been one of the one of the topics that i've been really wanting to get into and i'm glad that we got a got to set a, set aside a time and go a little bit deeper into it into that conversation and we uh we hope that you are we hope that you were blessed and challenged by this and that we would we would all be actively going out and trying to unite the church in spirit and in truth. And uh brother Eric, once again, thank you so much for joining and sharing your your thoughts and your opinions and also uh helping us walk through the scriptures a little bit more. And uh yeah, man. Thanks. Amen. Yeah. Oh well, say bye Eric. Bye Eric. See y'all. <laughs>